welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host Ryan this week, and joining me, as always, is my co-host Crofton. How's it going, Crofton? It goes, Ryan. It goes. Uh, we can we um, continue to be in a global pandemic, and uh, now we are in a situation which I find quite, uh, you know, sad, but also weirdly humorous in the sense that we always were sympathetic to our neighbors in the South. They had insanely high COVID numbers. Many people died. This is, of course, the United States of America. Um, and now, oh, ho, ho, have the tables turned. Um, as they uh, proceed to vaccinate their population like it's going out of style, whereas here in Canada, we are deep in wave three with the um, emergency rooms, at least in the province that I'm in, at full capacity, such full capacity that they're starting to look at children's hospitals uh, and setting up perhaps even uh, temporary hospitals and stuff like this. Wow. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's again, a sobering, crazy town. Uh, and uh, uh, we just found out that, like, so this week is – um, spring break, which was put back, but then after uh, next week, it will be back to virtual learning for Gwen. So she will. We've enjoyed our run of her at school, and she will be back home. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes. So yeah, that kind of sucks. The good news is I'm off this week, so that's good. That's, hey, you're off this week. That's a positive. I I managed to squeeze in a couple days off. I'm on my uh, well. Today is my first day off, and tomorrow's my next day off. But um, it's it's interesting you you mentioned that. I mean, with the virtual learning and stuff, like I always, you know, whenever they make changes, I always turn nasty. Like it's, this doesn't affect us because we're already home. I'm working from home. You know, uh, Caden's in virtual learning. The other two aren't in daycare. So it's like it doesn't affect us. But I fully understand that it affects a lot of people. And, you know, it's just, I, I've had to step away from like the COVID updates, the COVID news, all that stuff. You know, I keep myself informed. Obviously I'll know when it's time to go get a vaccine because, you know, I'm in that age group where it's like, everybody can get it. And I, you know, today someone um, actually, Ashley was saying to me, uh, oh, well, they're now saying we could hit astronomical numbers. And I'm like, they're not going to open the schools back up, are they? Like, this is... A year ago, we were in the same position where the schools were shut down, the numbers were high, and we didn't get back to, like, low numbers until until the summer. And I, I know the schools are in a different position now than they were a year ago in terms of protections and protocols. But yeah, um... It's crazy. It's really crazy that the numbers of are, are, are we're getting new highs every every day. It's wild. But see, the schools are not the problem, and this is the thing. Like I, I, I have, I'm a big like my kids go to school. There's not been one case at Gwen School, but yet mm -hmm. it has to shut down. You know, like and um, and I know that it's of course like oh there could be you know there could be cases. I'm like yeah of course there could be, but. Uh, but there isn't, and a lot of the a lot of the schools like do have you know do have measures and are man, ma managing that. That said, we're at such a point now that I think they should shut down literally everything that they can shut down, including schools. But um, I have a, a guy on my team at work who who is like you, which is chosen to essentially do um, e learning for his kids, like just nonstop. So he's never his ch children are never going into school, 
So he doesn't know that that's it's actually super sweet when your kid goes to school and is supposed to be home and you try to teach them at the same time. But like, <clears throat> I like how you you and he are in the same boat, which is like, oh, it doesn't really affect us because we've decided to make our life shitty all year long. Unlike you, who's tried to sw smell the sweet roses so often and have your house to yourself. So, so yeah, I know uh, it's it's definitely it's definitely going to be shittier um, shittier for me. Uh, but that said, Gwen did super great last time. I have no doubt it will be the same this time. I'm starting sort of like a new kind of pseudo new job on Monday, and so it's just like I'm I, you know I'm thinking oh I'm going to have to balance that with all this other stuff and being a podcast international celebrity and you know all, all of the all of the things that I got going on so we will see you know it's spring and hope blooms eternal uh it so I'm I'm I am looking forward to uh, warmer weathers and uh you know the schools eventually shutting down and us having a great summer and all getting vaccines for everyone and having giant vaccine parties and then you know next year hopefully things being I don't know maybe somewhat not completely abnormal yeah I agree 100%. Uh, and it's funny, well, you make a, a good point about, you know, choosing e-learning and, and choosing what is very much a hectic, hectic household. Uh, and, I, and I think even with with Caden in class, it would still be pretty hectic, but but less hectic, I will give you that. And, uh, you know, near the end of the show, when we move into the diapers, I'll I have an update on that, which was, our, our, our hands were kind of forced a little bit, but we'll we'll talk about that. But I do have what I think seems to be a trend here, every time I host, I've got some sort of weird, wacky story that happens to me, and uh, I'm surprised you didn't ask about it, because in the notes, it literally is, it says... I'm not, I, I don't want to spoil, I don't want to spoil anything, huh. I don't refer to the notes, I allow you to bring it up organically, as <laughs> long as it's not another thing of you getting in trouble with the law, like the bylaw officers or whatever, then we should be good, so I, please, please proceed. I think it, uh, it like like the bylaw officer. There's been enough time since the incident that I think we're good. Uh, but essentially, okay, here's here's the thing. So in the mornings, it's crazy hectic in the house because you've got two kids banging on their doors to to get out, and it's like it's way too early. You know, we have the grow clock, which shows like you don't get up until it's orange, and that shit never works. But for some reason, we just like just please, for the love of God, just you know, be quiet until it's orange. Um, but of course, Isabel doesn't understand the grow clock when she's up, she's up. So I'm in the morning, I'm getting ready. Uh, I've got Isabel, Ashley's asleep because she's been up a lot with, with Isabel and I'm trying to keep Caden and Abby quiet. Uh, but I'm also trying to get ready for work. So I'm in the bathroom and I'm going to the bathroom and Isabel being a toddler is, run is just like sort of walking around and kind of getting into everything. And, um, I have my I have an Apple Watch. So she likes to kind of like hold on to the Apple Watch as she's like kind of walking around. So she's like grabbing my arm and I'm like, okay, like just stay over there, go play with the brushes. Uh, we're trying to get ready for the day. And she's holding on to the Apple Watch. Then all of a sudden I hear this beeping on the Apple Watch and I've never heard it before. And I look at the watch and it's like, okay, it doesn't look any different, but it's making this like alarm siren sound. And then all of a sudden, it pops up on the phone, like uh, the iOS stuff has like this emergency SOS contact. And uh, it's like emergency SOS has popped up on the watch. And then a phone, uh, the phone icon. 
And then all of a sudden, I'm on the line with 911 uh, on my watch while in the bathroom <laughs> with a toddler and two kids in the other room uh, having a, we want to we wanna get up now, not when we're supposed to type conversation. Oh, I've always wanted to call 911. How did it go? <laughs> so here's the thing. Like, I, I, I wasn't sure what was going on with the watch. I figured, I figured it out eventually when I saw, you know, calling 911 at some point. But when you hang up on 911, which is sometimes your first sort of instinct when you when it accidentally happens is to hang up. You don't hang up because if you do, they just call you right back. You seem to have a lot of experience with this, but keep going. I, I do. I mean, like uh, me personally, not so much, but I've you know heard stories of you know kids dialing nine one one or prank calling nine one one, and they will always call back. You pocket dial nine one one, they'll call you back. So in this instance, I'm like, well, I'm not going to hang up. I just had to go through with this and just explain that it's it was it was a mistake, which it was. So the operator comes on and it's the typical like, you know, um, ambulance, fire, police, and they say, "Oh no no, it, it was an accident." You know, my one year old was holding on to my watch. She accidentally triggered the emergency sort of nine one one call. Everything's okay, and and then the operator's like, "Are you okay?" is everything okay? And I'm like, yes, everything's okay. Then like Caden comes into the room and he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, everything's okay. We don't need you to send anything here. Everything's okay. And then we hung up. So like, it was just one of those moments where it's like, man, how much weirder can things get? So of course I like look it up, figure out a way to like shut all that stuff down, especially like there's a shortcut. I guess if you hold the, the side of your watch, it'll like automatically call 911 but it's for a crate you have to hold it for a crazy long time like as like as if you meant to do it but obviously a toddler doesn't care they're just holding on to a watch and uh same thing on your phone they get that vice grip going i know i I would i would like it if the lady was like is this the murphy residence we have you on our (laughs) pool bylaw watch list uh do you need assistance no, no, no. We don't need anyone. We filled in the pool. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're we're all good. We'll close this file. <laughs> Could you imagine? I mean, this is the thing. Like, I just, I feel like I'm sitting, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, like, my luck, like, how does this happen to me? Is it because I have a podcast where sharing these stories is, would be some, somewhat interesting? Like, I don't know, but I feel like I learned something that day in that, like, I've had, I have three kids and not one of them had 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 done this yet and and suddenly it happened and i realized how easy it is like the kids would constantly be playing with the watch you know and constantly holding on to it as like because when you think of kids starting to learn to walk they're grabbing onto onto any sort of like grabbable surface so they can stay on two feet right so that's exactly what has been happening with this watch for the last five years it, and i'm surprised it hasn't happened since because it's such a it is that like that grip that they have that they're just holding onto it for dear life so they don't fall on their ass, right? I would just like to say that both of these stories, the bylaw officer and now this story, like if you are say you know creating these for for a podcast and they didn't actually happen, they did. I would consider adding more embellishments because both of them were kind of anticlimactic. The first one, you really had my hopes up that they were going to nail you for something <laughs> with regards to. The- pool like the bylaw officers are there in your backyard looking for a pool that you buried like it just had all them and they're like oh you buried it no problem let's end the story now feels really anticlimactic this one abby you know calls or what was it abby Izzy. or isabel who calls? Izzy calls 911 
by accident, allegedly. Um, and then uh, and then nine one one calls. Ryan takes the phone from her. Says, "Oh, oh yeah, n- we're nothing to see here. We're all good. How are you there?" Uh, and then you know hangs up. Um, and then it's over. Like I would have you at least have the cops come to your house, interview Ashley, be like, "Is everything good?" And we can take him, rough him up a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, you could add more to it. Is all I'm saying. I, I could, but it did actually happen. I mean, one thing that I think you're you're missing here is my phone was downstairs. I didn't have my phone. It was my literally my watch. So I'm sitting there like talking to nine one one through my watch, and the kids come in and they're like, "Who are you talking to?" Oh, just on the phone with 911 through my watch. It's the future, but also super, super annoying. I suppose if you were to like really, truly hurt yourself, being able to trigger a 911 call by just a, a push of a button. Now, mind you, you could still do it by like activating the emergency SOS and then sliding it over to call. But still, like, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty anticlimactic. Uh, it would have been for the, for the sake of this podcast quote-unquote hilarious if the ambulance or fire i guess usually shows up first and uh yeah but that did not happen so just so you know clara my youngest daughter has now just just turned three uh this past weekend um and we had a you know a covid birthday for her uh and it was it was you know full of balloons and all of that but we couldn't go anywhere which was too bad, but we made the best that we could out of it. We brought a bunch of presents, uh, but Jesse, instead of making a cake, you know, decided to make a series of cupcakes and uh, put put candles into each one, and caused a lot of a lot of flames, which Clara found pretty scary. So Jesse quickly lunged the cake away. Obviously, the smoke went straight up into the smoke detector. You know caused the uh caused the alarm to go off i'm trying to figure out like how to get on the ladder and hit shut shut off the button next thing you know fire department are already there they're knocking on the door i'm like what is going on here um and they said oh you know kid's birthday and all of that sort of thing then they see that i don't have batteries and some of my smoke alarms they give me this big lecture about how many you know the batteries that i'm supposed to have and blah i said i'm sorry and then they get they're like we have smoke alarms in the truck and all of this and then my nosy neighbors are out on the street and then you know they see all this stuff and then a cop car sort of boots by the truck on the street and and stops and stops like pulls over to the side and says says Guys, hurry up! There's a fire down the street. We need we need backup right away. So the the firefighters all run to the car. One of them is like, you know what? We need an extra guy. Throws me his helmet. I put it on. I'm like, okay, I guess it's go time. I have no formal training, but I just put a battery in the smoke detector. I jump on the fire truck. I'm in the back, like holding on the outside. Uh, I don't take Gwen, you know, I tell her like, watch Clara continue the birthday party. I'll be right back. Clara's crying a little bit. Obviously a lot's going on. Uh, fire down the street. I, I end up knowing the guy. It's a guy, a neighbor, a few houses down. And uh, he's like, Oh God, thank God Crofton you're here as well as the fire department. And then, you know, like I'm just the hose guy, like I'm holding the hose and stuff. And now obviously Firemen are much better trained than me. They're putting out all the fire. Uh, you know, all the family are running outside and stuff. I, I'm like, please stay away. You know, COVID, they're not wearing masks. Obviously, they were in their house. It kind of makes sense. Um, you know, I managed with the, uh, obviously, with the help of the firemen to um, 
to save most of the house and then uh, made it back in time for the end of the, the birthday. And uh, the fireman let me keep the hat, which I gave to Clara as a, as a birthday gift. And um, she was really happy. It doesn't fit her at all. She looks, she looks, into it. It. Uh, yeah. obvi- you know, obviously. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but aside from that, it was a kind of one of those low key uh, COVID parties really. Uh, you know, birthday parties. I, I did. I may have exaggerated some of the points of that story. Um, uh, really, like I pretty much went off script after she around the time she blew out the candles, oh, uh, w- yeah. which went which went pretty much like she blew them out. They went out and then we ate the cupcakes. So pretty much everything after that more or less is fabricated or at least some form of an exaggeration because it is true that some of my smoke detectors don't have batteries. Um, I should really do something about that. But yeah, anyway, I just wanted both to tell you that it was Clara's birthday and to teach you a valuable lesson about storytelling. Definitely, definitely should lie more, I guess is what you're saying. Like uh, (laughs) stretch the truth, stretch the truth, add characters, maybe some side characters, Characters. you know, like when they adapt the novels for film, they add some pieces. But anyway, uh, to all the listeners, uh, please feel free to send your good wishes to Clara for her third birthday. She's doing great. I'm really, I'm, I'm really proud of the little girl that she's turning into. And she's, she talks a whole bunch and is super fun. And I'm really glad to, uh, to to have her finally turn three, it almost felt ridiculous saying that she was two because she can scoot all over the place. She can say so much. She just feels so big that like being like, yeah, she's a two year old feels like kind of underselling her. You know, yeah. now it feels feels more right. I'm like, yeah, she's three now. Whatevs. What you gonna do about it? Nothing. No. Yeah. No, that's great. It's, it's crazy that she is already three because I remember we had to we had like a nine month hiatus. when she was born when we we started the show like we recorded episode one yeah jess is due any any week now and then uh and then yep okay nine months later i was thinking about how this is the most uneventful podcast because we have been in a situation where it's like like i had a newborn and so we didn't do anything and they and you had a newborn and didn't do anything. And then there was a global pandemic and nobody could do anything. And so like all of our updates are like, yeah, we're, we stayed home, watched some shows, played some games, you know. I don't know. Like uh, this week, I, I managed to call 911 for my watch on the toilet. So I think one of us had an eventful week. I, I nah, just... fair. That, that's fair. And you know what? It's always eventful down in the dungeons, right? Maybe we should go down there and see what's going on. Exactly. All right. Delving into the dungeons, we've got lots of uh, what appears to be a good chunk of television and TV-related media to talk about. I want to give a quick recommendation to, because I don't know if there's much discussion outside of the fact of... Crofton, do you remember Blockbuster? I do remember Blockbuster, but I lived in the province of Quebec uh, for much of its heyday, and I often went to Super Club Vidéotron instead of Blockbuster. But I do remember Blockbuster. I do, and I remember um, the province of Quebec had a big issue with Blockbuster back in the day. I, I believe they were they were getting they were up in arms that Blockbuster in Quebec was like not providing French manuals for video games or something. Or maybe it was, maybe it was, Nint- they were upset with Nintendo because they weren't translating. There was something to do with Blockbuster and maybe it had nothing to do with Quebec. Anyways, that has nothing to do with this because I watched the last Blockbuster, which is a documentary 
on Netflix. And uh, you might know that in Bend, Oregon, there is the last blockbuster, the last one in existence. And uh, they operate as a blockbuster. And this, this documentary, and it's also kind of funny that Netflix, many see as the, the killer of blockbuster, having a, a pretty great documentary on sort of the rise, fall, and clinging on to that Blockbuster has done in this small town in Oregon. Um, and it's a really great watch, especially if you're nostalgic for any sort of video rental store because they they nail that nostalgia. And then also it's, it's, it's supported a lot by the fact that there is this, you know, stuck-in-time Blockbuster in Bend, Oregon. And uh, they kind of go into a little bit of the details as to what happened to Blockbuster and, and why it failed and, and many... Cons- and I didn't realize this, Crofton, but in the States, Blockbuster had started to make more of a shift towards like online and sort of mail-in services and stuff. So like they were already making that shift in, t- in, t- in line with what Netflix was doing. I don't think that made it up here to Canada quite... Uh, quite as much as it had done down there but like its reason for failing is not necessarily that it, it ran out of money it was more just how it was uh the parent company had run it is it really fascinating watch and it's again like from a nostalgic point of view if you are at all you know remember fond memories of going to blockbuster like me um i think you'll really dig this one so and it's on netflix so, which is hilarious, right? Like, which you already touched on that is it, but it seems so ridiculous because it would it very much be the equivalent of, you know, um, your murderer delivering your eulogy, you know, <laughs> being like, yeah, so he ran away. I stabbed him a few times. He struggled a lot, had a lot of heart, that guy, you know, but, um, but if Netflix is funding a documentary on Blockbuster, it, it's just like like when in wrestling when WWE bought WCW. Now they have a whole network where they do a bunch of like made making of uh, like what it, you know the rise and fall of WCW as told by the people that beat them and bought them out. You know, uh, and uh, it, it's really like you, I know that Netflix puts on all this stuff, uh, but I, I'm. And I know that it's really good stuff, and I have no doubt that this is an independently produced documentary that probably receives funding from Netflix. But it was it. it I always like think about the messenger with that, like um, when the social dilemma was making such waves when it was released. Um, I remember every all my friends were talking to me. Oh, you gotta watch the social dilemma, and, and uh, huh. oh, Nep- Netflix funded it obviously because Netflix has nothing really to lose about people not giving a shit about social media. But like, if Facebook put out the social dilemma, that would be amazing. Like, it would be crazy. Um, and, you know, net. It just makes me recognize the power of Netflix and these streaming services. Like, because the lot or you know. The rise and, and, and dominance of Netflix, who's going to do that documentary? Is it going to be Netflix and then it'll be questionable? Is it going to be like Amazon Prime touting a competitor? Like, it's it's just funny. The messenger is always interesting in these situations. Uh, but that said, Blockbuster is so far in the rearview mirror for Netflix right now. I'm sure, you know, they probably told the story. Like, do they come off? Is Netflix mentioned in the documentary and do they come off like bullies or anything? Uh, you know what? It's actually interesting. Netflix does come up a couple times in the documentary. And I actually found out that the, that this documentary, The Last Blockbuster, 
was actually started as a Kickstarter. And uh, obviously Netflix picked it up. I'm sure they put money into it. But they, you know, they tell the story that a lot of people know that um, Netflix actually approached Blockbuster in the early days and offered, you know, hey, buy us for 50 million. Blockbuster laughed them out. Um, They tell that story. They talk about the rivalry between Blockbuster and Netflix. and, And again, like they show a lot of those ads that we wouldn't have seen in Canada, but in the States where Blockbuster was actually mocking Netflix and actually had a better service than Netflix did in terms of how they handled you know, DVD mail-in service. So it's really interesting. They, they don't, they don't paint Netflix as the villain. They paint them as a competitor. I think the biggest difference is that when Blockbuster went under, Netflix still wasn't what we know today. I remember when I was um, in university and Blockbusters were shutting down, we didn't even have Netflix here in Canada. Um, it was a, it was certainly something that we wished we had because it was such a big deal in the states and it was streaming at that point. But uh, I think it had launched maybe a few months to maybe a year after Blockbuster was completely shut down here in Canada. So yeah, it is like your it is like your murderer making the documentary of of your killing, right? And but they really do, you know, they really do say it wasn't Netflix that killed us; it was you know, our bad parent company just saddling us with so much debt so that when we went to the coffers to get more money, there was literally nothing, just debt. And that isn't to say that Blockbuster, they don't like say like, oh, if that hadn't happened, Blockbuster would still be here. No, like there's a reason there are no big box video rental stores. Hell, we couldn't even get Redbox to work here. The little kiosk things, they, they shut those down pretty quick as well. As far as I know, like in terms of renting a physical DVD, it's really just corner stores, right? Like mom and pop convenience shops that sometimes have like a little shelf of videos. I don't even know if I, I can't even remember the last time I've, I saw like a video rental store. I feel like there, there is a jumbo video on Maravel, uh, near, not too far from my house. I could be wrong. It could be, it could be at a business. Is but, jumbo but video yeah. Rogers? Was that, or is that something separate? I'm not sure, but it was a chain there for a while. And, and again, it was like the, the, they had one left and they had, but you're right. It's mostly like, you know, walls and in, in, in convenience stores and stuff like that. And it is funny, I, you know, like not to get too much on a tangent about digital media, but like, you know, I'm into Game Pass right now and uh, they have, they're very transparent with the stuff that's leaving Game Pass. Like, this is, you know, this is going and this is coming and all of that. And it makes you think about like the ownership of games because they, and like keeping even digital copies of said games. Um, when, when uh, uh, you know, PlayStation is shutting down stores for some of its old, older consoles, making essentially certain games orphaned or, or unavailable for purchase anymore. Um, the idea of a simpler time where everything was printed in, on hard copy uh, and that like, you know, like unless every copy of something was destroyed, then, you know, it would continue to continue to exist. I remember, I do nostalgically remember going into video stores like Blockbuster and, you know, in the new release section, they'd have like one box of the new release, like to show the cover art. And then underneath there'd be like spaces where you could see how many copies were left or how many copies were available. Sometimes they would have whole walls of like one movie being like, look how many copies we have of this one movie. Uh, And uh, it seems so 
it seems so funny now because it, like if all the copies were gone, it's Friday night. Oh, all the copies are gone. And so you can't watch that movie. So you got to watch something else. And that is just not a situation that we ever have to deal with anymore. Like the idea of being like, oh, I'm going to go on the Google Play Store to rent a movie tonight. Oh, Avengers Endgame. Oh, they rented out all the copies. Uh, I guess I'll I guess I'll watch Infinity War, you know, Um like it's just it's not that doesn't happen anymore and it was such like just something we took for granted so there's you know pros and cons uh to to where we're where we're at now and i know as i as i play this game pass stuff i keep thinking about like well there's a lot of games that i'm just going to be done with and when they leave game pass they're like yeah you can buy it at a reduced cost i'm like i'm not going to buy this game i played it to death but then maybe in like 5 years i want to play it again it'll no longer be on game pass it will be hard to find or whatever it's just it's it's interesting like uh, it is it is interesting the pros and the cons of the sort of digital world that we live in and that was pre- you know predicated by netflix although um netflix you know was that as as you touched on was a mail in Uh, thing first right like that was like we think of it as a streaming service but Mm -hmm. uh, i think they still might do that like i think that you could still get i'm not sure in canada but in the states for sure i I think you can still get dvds mailed to you if anything they they might have just phased it out recently because i i I know, I know some people, you know, they don't have a, a, you know, internet connectivity in the States and here as well. It's, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Like I know my in-laws live, they, they live and they have wireless internet. They live in, in the, in the country and they, they are able to stream Netflix, but it's, you know, it's, it's touch and go. I think Netflix has a really good compression system where if you are running on a low bandwidth connection, it, it kind of can keep up, which was really surprising. But uh, yeah, I, I think the documentary is really good. It's it's light and fluffy. It's really quick. It's about an hour and a half. And really, it does focus in on this family-run business in Bend, Oregon, the last blockbuster, um, and and follows how, how they've been sort of keeping it going. And if you're just looking for some... There are a lot of documentaries out there. Like, I know a lot of people have been recommending the, uh, the new HBO documentary about QAnon. <laughs> if, if you want to, like have something a little lighter a little more positive um i'd watch the last blockbuster it's 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 popcorn documentary for sure and and uh, it's got a lot of uh familiar faces in it like a lot of celebrities sort of chatting about their experience with blockbuster jamie kennedy makes an experience or makes an experience he makes an appearance <laughs> he is he does make an experience as well but uh he's in it and uh fairly subdued from from what you probably remember him uh being but uh it, it, kevin smith is in there it's really good. I, I highly rec- recommend it if you're looking to take a trip down memory lane. So check it out. I will take that ball and pivot it uh, into uh, something that always makes me take a trip down re- memory lane every year. And that is WrestleMania, Ryan. And, I forgot uh, you were into wrestling. That's so disappointing. Uh, oh, such, such judgment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Does it hurt you looking up from your looking down from your high horse? Look, look. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Before we get emails, I uh, I think like when I said that, it really came from a place of I'm just jealous that you enjoy it so much, and I've never been able to get into it. I've never. I appreciate wrestling, but I've never been able to get into it. And I don't understand I, I, at this so point how I could. I don't know. 
it is so funny that you're never able to get into it because it is essentially superheroes. Like every every character has like, you know, their super moves, their their um, you know, like their their personalities, you know, their motivations or whatever. Uh, like I could go on to a whole side thing about wrestling, and honestly, I should at one point or another. But I will say that over the past few years i've i've essentially dropped off watching it regularly like i've i've cord cut it i'm not going to i you know in canada the wwe network in particular was um exclusive to rogers and not in a, available in the way that it was in the states like in the states you could just have it in the way that you can just have netflix or just have disney plus um in canada it's like you need you need to have rogers and cable and then it's an extra channel on in your rogers cable package uh and you, so you don't even get the like the web um you know like in netflix where you where you're essentially using an app you don't you don't have that you're watching it like a channel and whatever's on you kind of have to watch um but it got you all the pay-per-views that used to cost monthly a, a lot of money all of that if you had the, the 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 network so i didn't have i i don't have that i don't have i don't have tv channels so i i just fell off watching it i used to watch it with my brother all the time but it's like one of those things like guilty pleasures where i i i'll like follow what's going on like i have a couple of sites i'll check out be like oh what's going on and if there's a big highlight and it goes up on the website or it goes up on youtube i'll check it out or something right so i'm i'm generally aware of what's going on the one exception every year is WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble, which Royal Rumble's in January, WrestleMania's in March, April. That's the road to WrestleMania. It's like their big hot period of the year. For a company uh, like in, in the case of the WWE that never takes any time off, like there's no off season, which I could go on about how there should be. Um, they're, uh, that's their hot season, like their, their hot period. And it culminates in, in WrestleMania. And WrestleMania normally now involves, because these guys are, are having matches all year long, and girls um, are having matches all year long. And so it, it gets, um, you know, like to make, to make it special for a pay-per-view, you, you have to put a work into the storytelling. But to make it a batch deserving of WrestleMania, you have to you have to kind of like invest in the story months and months in advance and set all the the characters up. And often in recent years, it's relied on bringing in part time wrestlers that wrestlers that were big at a certain time, like The Rock. So The Rock makes movies most of the year. He wasn't this year at WrestleMania, but he might be. And so. He comes back just for WrestleMania, for instance. Uh, you know, a big a big star that might come back just to have a match at WrestleMania, and they would bump some of the undercard talent or some of the talent that had busted their asses throughout the year. They kind of get they get left off the WrestleMania card sometimes in favor of these part timers because they're overexposed essentially. Um, and people aren't going to pay to see them because they see them for free every week, and that's that's a whole a whole other thing. But I always get excited about WrestleMania, and uh, this year, uh, last year was very weird, uh, as was everything with COVID. Um, so COVID had just broken out. They had a, a huge event book in a stadium with like seventy thousand people, and of course they could not do it. Uh, and uh, so they had to. They owned a performance center to trade new wrestlers in. Florida and they relocated WrestleMania there and they had no crowd. They had nothing. It was an empty arena. Every match was taking place in an empty arena. 
um, and it was so weird, like so weird and eerie. And like, this is not just any show too. It was WrestleMania, their biggest show of the year. They normally do huge entrances, huge things, everything. People ride out on tanks or like, you know, there's fireworks or planes fly overhead. And here they're in like, you know, a darkened arena uh, in, in, in Florida because their show must go on. Um, but this year, they they were able to pull like a Super Bowl style thing, like where they had like twenty eight thousand people in like a maybe sixty thousand person arena, spaced out with the COVID testing and all of this. It was their first event in front of fans in a in a year. Like they haven't they they've done this thing where they put all these TV screens inside to make like a a virtual audience. It's pretty interesting what they've done, but. This was their first show in front of fans. So everybody was kind of excited just to see about that and also to see what the fans' reactions were to some of the people over the past year because sometimes the fans' reactions aren't what you think they're going to be. And so it was uh, It was also over two nights, both both last year's WrestleMania and this year's WrestleMania, over two nights, Saturday and Sunday, which normally they try to jam seven or eight hours of wrestling to get everybody on the card on at once. And this was uh, this was not the case. Um, so uh, so two nights made it much more digestible. And I watched it with my brother uh, virtually, like, and we said it at the same time. And it was really like it was just fun to to watch it with him uh, and to uh, you know like uh, comment on all the new. Who's this guy? I don't know who this guy is. What's his deal? And then they do the recap montages, and it was just like it was two nights of of great you know great entertainment. Get away from get away from it all and uh yeah no i had uh, i had a good time and it was main evented historically at least the first night was main evented by the first match between two um black women uh african-american women and uh that was the first time that it ever happened uh and uh, so it was cool to see that and they both were like humbled by like they you know the emo- emotions before the match you could see like they were both crying and stuff and and then shook it off and and, and got into it so Really good, good, good stuff, Ryan. That is good. No, it's. I think you know. Each year we we talk about WrestleMania as it comes back, and and uh, I always like, oh yeah, wrestling. I've never really been able to. I remember wrestling for me was something my my cousins were really into, and uh, and then also there was an N sixty four game. I remember playing a lot of that was uh, wrestling. It was I think it was Warzone. No, I well. It, it could have been in which case you have bad taste, but it was likely uh, No Mercy or um, or WrestleMania tw- uh, 2000. Mm. Those were the two. Those were the two. Uh, Are those the was, two good ones? Like well, the, not just good, wrestling. like legend, legendary N64 wrestling game. Like to the fact that people today are still like they were developed by this publisher called Aki in um, in Asia, AKI, and. Uh, and and the 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 style they use like like has not not been really replicated since and people will still talk about even though those games look horrible now we'll no, be, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about them as like the best playing wrestling games that have I, ever existed to this date you know so. i think it was wwf warzone oh <laughs> i'm man. looking it up now i just remember renting uh, it a bunch and uh yeah well such so as you know those those games um are really act- wrestling i don't know are are actually really fun. I had this game on GameCube, uh, WrestleMania X8. Eight, uh, yeah, WrestleMania X8, so 18. And um, it was just like, it was just such a ridiculously 
funny time as a multiplayer game because we you know we played four players and like there'd be a ladder match and you've got to set up the ladder and climb up it and it was so janky and so like if if one person uh did a finisher like and and you see these wrestlers in uh on tv that have these giant ornate finishing moves like that that take them like 10 minutes to set up and then deliver uh and then there's others that just deliver them bam out of nowhere like stone cold stunner what style or, or randy orton's rko and um and it's just funny in the video game you could interrupt the moves if you were more than two players like so uh and and so you try to pick your player so that you you had a guy that could do a fast move as opposed to uh, the guys that would do the huge long moves because then another player could run in and interrupt it and stuff but it was it was hilarious we had we had good times with those games um I just yeah like the last last thing I'll just say in wrestling because wrestling is like it is like um I think that in, you know the WWE in particular which has competition for the first time in forever from this other company called All Elite Wrestling and um, and uh, I think it's good that it has competition I think it's being pulled kicking and screaming into a more modern age like just the fact that this is the first WrestleMania main evented by two black women. I think like, you know, it's great and stuff, but at the same time, there's there's a lot there that there, there's been a lot of problematic content. And NBC recently bought uh, the rights to the WWE Network and have merged it in with uh, Peacock, which is their um, Netflix equivalent service that NBC is offering in the States. And so for the same price as just the WWE network, you get that and all NBC shows like the office and all of that. It's considered quite a coup, but one of the things that has been interesting is NBC has been going back through old wrestling footage or, or working with and censoring it. And, uh, and hmm. you know, there has been a lot of stuff in the past that has been problematic, particularly during the Attitude area, which is late 90s, early 2000s, which fans remember very fondly. Anyway, I could go on about wrestling uh, in great detail. And if any of, any of our listeners uh, ever want me to, I can uh, force Ryan to listen to me talk about all sorts of stuff. Do it. Uh, send, send, uh, send an email to us, and uh, I would, I would love to to force him. On the other hand, you could also send emails in Ryan's defense and, and get me to shut up about it forever. But I hope you won't do that. You know, different nerd stripes for different people. Folks. Oh yeah. Uh, the last thing before punting it back to Ryan, I will say uh, in, in the dungeons, I've been like gaming wise, I've been still going through my Game Pass Supercut. I'm really enjoying Game Pass, even though it's making me kind of like, you know, I won't wait, spend any time more than than a game interests me for before moving on to the next thing, which is not something I i used to do i used to really force it like last time i talked about near Aut automata i haven't played that game practically at all since last time i talked about it same with uh streets of rage 4 like the games that i tried last time now i am right now playing uh monster train which is a, a card game a la slay the spire ryan are you familiar oh yeah yeah i played a little bit of monster train um both on the xbox and on pc and it's got a, at first, it's got this weird, like, feel and look to it where you're like, I don't know if this is, uh, this game's up to, up to par with kind of the quality you're usually checking out, but, but if there's a great game in there and you just have to give it a shot and, 
Uh, yeah. I found I I found it looked like as good, if not better, than like Slay the Spire. Which oh well, is yeah, but Slay a, the Spire looks like yeah. Robert's. No, no, I guess maybe, but but like it's the it's the the sort of the big fish in the in um in terms of those types of games, you know. Yeah, Hearthstone has modes in which that you can potentially go on sort of dungeon runs and stuff, but like it, really, Slay the Spire is the, the the sort of front runner, and then Monster Train for me. I, I, you know, the, the concept of it is that you were on it. You can, you're, it's a train with monsters and you choose your faction and you're defending against guys that are invading your train. And each train is four stories and they go up one story a turn. And when they get to the top, they can start digging away at your train's health. So you got to stop them by playing cards. And depending on the faction you have, you get different decks and all of that. It's just, it's like, I like, I don't, you know, I like when watching, say the raw after wrestlemania to have like a, a, a casual game on the go um uh, on the side and this is a that was a good game for that and game pass is good for finding those games but like i have been enjoying monster train and i could see it getting more time than some of these bigger games the bigger game i'm playing is prey which is um made by arcane uh who are going to release death loop next but are most famous for the dishonored series owned by bethesda Prey, um, no relation to the 2006 game, like literally none, which was released on the Xbox 360. Um, and it, it's very much like um, Bioshock, System Shock. Essentially, it is that game in like a space station. You can upgrade your, your character, you make choices, you get new abilities. There's lots of audio logs. There's lots of all that stuff. Ryan, have you played Prey? I played a little bit of Prey. I also played the Prey you were alluding to that came out on 360, and it was uh, interesting. Um, but uh, this new Prey, it's always something I've wanted to check out, and I have it installed on my PC because I feel like that would be a fun place to play that one. I never, I, don't, I, can't, I think I played the demo, and I liked what I was, you know, the vibe was given off. It felt very Half-Life to me, and I know it was kind of described as sort of a half-life experience oh yeah i could see that yeah so no i i i have not played it fully i think i got i got through the goop part i think i got a goop gun but i didn't do much with it so i'm i might be misremembering the game the intro is super trippy like and if i'm not sure if you played a demo or the actual game but the intro is actually quite trippy it's, it's quite interesting uh i was like what this is not how I expected this game to start. And there's a reason for that um, that is revealed, you know, fairly quickly. Uh, and I would say, like, I, I was exactly like you. I'm like, man, this game seems like something that would very much appeal to me. But I just never got around to it. Um, you know, reviews were much more positive for its DLC than for the game itself. But, but like, I kind of felt like they released it right after Dishonored 2 and some of these other games. And I think people were kind of OD'd on that type of game, like these great expansive levels and all of this. It's very much like Bioshock, like you're in Rapture type type deal. It's a space station. This has like an art deco art style in the space station. Like it's anachronistic in that way. But I will, I, I will say that there's something about it, like it is, like it's it really captures you at the beginning. I'm like, why did I put off playing this game so much? It's so good. And I'm still enjoying exploring it and learning about all the characters and it's put together really interestingly. But 
I am like starting to be like, I'm not sure if I'm going to see it entirely to the end. And part of me feels like that's the uh, game pass of it all uh, and uh, how it affects me. Like if I'm not a hundred percent like, Oh, I, I really am into this game. And I, I was, I was for a while and now I'm starting already to fade. I installed Yakuza zero. I've never played a Yakuza game before. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I'll check that out. And if that gets its hooks into me, you know, I'll probably end up dropping prey. So I could see how Game Pass does that. Anyway, WrestleMania, Game Pass, that's all I got for my dungeons. You got anything else, young sir? I do, I do. Uh, just a quick recommendation because it's still ongoing. Um, there's a new series on Amazon Prime called Invincible, and it's based on the comic by uh, Robert Kirkman of Walking Dead fame. And it's a hour-long cartoon, not for kids. Do not let your kids watch this. It's very violent, uh, very, very violent. And uh, it's about the episodes are about an hour long, and it, it's got an all-star cast. Like J.K. Simmons plays um, the father. Uh, Steve Ewan from The Walking Dead plays Invincible. Um, and then you've got uh, just a bunch of different folks voicing that you'll recognize right off the bat. Um, but it is weekly, so. I think as of this recording, there are five episodes out. Um, when it launched, there was three episodes put up right away, and or maybe it was two. Either way, there's about five out now, and they're and they're every Friday. So, but I'm really enjoying it. It's been a fun watch. I never read the comics. It was always one of those comics that I was like, oh, I'll get to them eventually, and then they make this great adaptation, and I'm kind of like, oh, okay, well, maybe maybe I won't get around to reading the comics anytime soon, but. Um, if you have Amazon Prime, it's it's a really fun watch, uh, and it's it's just nice to it's nice to get a change of pace. You know, um, you watch a lot of like WrestleMania, you watch a lot of like live action shows. And I don't very often get a chance to watch animated television, right? It's not something that I'm always you know I find myself watching a lot of. So it's been nice to co- go back to that realm and and watch Invincible. It's really good. And uh, a really, again, a really easy watch. It's uh, it's violent, but it's like, it, it, it's kind of like the boys in the sense that they're portraying like superheroes in a different light, but it's not as, um, it's not quite as negative as the boys. Like the boys are very like, everyone's shit and we're going to kill all these people because they're shit. No, Invincible is like, it's like the DC world, but it's kind of like flipped on its head. It's 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 not quite as negative as the boys, but it's still taking like a, a a harder edge look at the world of what what a world of superheroes could be like, and it's it's really interesting. So I recommend it. It's funny because it's one of those shows where like I think Amazon has put a marketing budget behind it so that I get pop ups for it, or I get like all sorts of you know, hey, you should watch this all the time and um i i saw it, it got me interested the art style got me interested enough to click on a few reviews for the early episodes and the reviews were not strong and so my interest then died pretty much immediately i was mm. like oh i'm like uh but but i've even seen like some twitter chatter about it about how it gets better and all of this sort of thing did you feel do you feel that it's been good from the hop or did you feel that it was down at the, like are they right that at the beginning is rougher and then it gets better or well, what, um, did, what did you... It's interesting. I think... Uh, I wonder if those reviewers were... Are fans of the of the source material because I've Maybe. heard a, I've heard a lot of um, talk of how 
the first episode of Invincible really like is running through the comics pretty quick. Like the events that conclude the first episode happen in like the first six issues of 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 or of of Invincible. Like it's a good chunk of content that is portrayed right away. And I will say this like the first episode ends in a way that really sets up the story and makes you question what's going on. Essentially, like I'm not going to get spoilers here, but the idea is that uh, J.K. Simmons' character Omni Man is like a superhero archetype who is an alien comes to Earth. He is uh, he comes to Earth as its guardian, very Superman esque, and he has a wife and he has a son. Uh, his son he says like, okay, you're, you're, you're half alien. It's very likely you're going to get superpowers, uh, eventually. So prepare for that. By the way, I'm Omni-Man. You know, your dad is Omni-Man, basically Superman. And, uh, the story starts out like the kid doesn't have his powers yet. And then, well, surprise, surprise, the kid gets his powers. And then that's the story going forward there. Like you have this new superhero being trained by his dad, who is the most powerful superhero on earth. And, that is sort of the dynamic set up uh, at the beginning of the story. And then it just, it goes from there. And the really interesting parts that I found were, were how they sort of have the superheroes interacting with each other and how, you know, the governments and the world sort of interact with the superheroes. You have your, uh, your sort of like your, your men in black type situation where you have government types that work directly with the superheroes and, Again, a lot of violence, a lot of blood, you know, but it all really fits in and it's it's super different um, from from anything I've watched before in terms of like an animated television show. And I think the animation is done really well. I, I could see how in the first three episodes, like it might have been like, OK, where's this going? Because there is a bit of this uh, this mystery that they set up right away and they don't they don't give you the motive, I'll say. So like. You're constantly wondering, like, okay, why did all this happen, and why does everything continue to be a little fishy, right? I can see from that point of view, like, if you're not a fan of like mystery boxes, then this show has a one a big one of that. You know, there's this darker side to to what's going on, and you don't really know why, um, which I assume will be all all will be re- revealed in the first season, but. Yeah, I, I, I think it's really good. I think you should give it a shot. At least watch the first episode. I think the first episode lays all of its cards out on the table of like, this is what you're getting. And yeah, if you don't like the first episode, I don't think future episodes are going to are gonna change your tune. Okay. And um, who's like, without going into spoiler territory, is there a big bad? Um... Gosh, that's a tough one. Like, not really, but kind of. It's his of. dad, isn't it? It's his dad. It's Omni Man. Is it? <laughs> well, Am I right? Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, if you watch the first it, episode, you're like, oh, yeah, clearly. But then if you keep watching, it's like, it's very hard to tell who the big bad is. Um, it, there are bad, there are bad people. There are bad, you know, there's a there's a whole episode. Uh, I think it's the second or third episode where there's this alien race constantly invading Earth, and they just constantly. no seriously like, like here we here we go again, guys. No, I'm not joking. A portal opens yeah. up, a, an army of aliens march out, and it's like this big deal. And uh, the superheroes show up to uh, to to take care of it, 
And the only reason they win is because the aliens are dying in the streets just randomly. And you're thinking, oh, is this a war of the world situation? It turns out the way their anatomy works on their home planet, they age quicker on Earth due to the just the, the difference in environment. And they keep coming back. And because time moves differently on their own planet, every time they come back to Earth, which appears to be like every couple days, they've had decades on their home planet. So they're like working on technology to survive on Earth. They never explain why they're on Earth. They never kind of explain why they keep coming back. But they're clearly there to conquer it. Earth is a target. And it, and the way it is solved is Omni-Man just kind of goes through the portal, kills every alien on the planet, and says, like, you mess with Earth, you mess with me, you're done. And he basically slaughters an entire alien race for invading Earth. So, like, there is this, like, he's the good guy, he's protecting Earth, but, like, he's doing it in a way that Superman would never do. Like, he's literally committing genocide with an entire planet and just it's it's you know what it sounds like what's it sound like sounds like sounds like omni-man and his son need to settle their differences in a one-on-one match at wrestle oh that's actually, how it's ending you gotta know actually, that's how the season ends actually add daniel bryan make it a triple threat that's I, what you gotta do i that's have no an idea inside, who that is <laughs> that's an inside joke daniel bryan always gets into the triple threat matches that's an, you you don't get it but trust me that killed with the marks online all right marks let, is there like a uh is that like a wrestling thing like a lot of people who name mark like wrestling no ryan oh do i have to explain no this? don't explain it i <laughs> i think my explanation was way better yeah, yeah. Let's go with your explanation. All right. Well, I, uh, yeah. I'm I'm more. Let's just say I'm more of a smark than a mark. Let's. But anyway, uh, let's let let's I'm not. So sorry, everybody. Let, let's not focus too much on on how cool I am. Instead, let's let's go into the diapers. Yeah, let's talk some diapers. Let's change some diapers. Um, I did a call out on Twitter. Uh, I was looking for uh, stories, podcasts, like kids uh, stories, and I know there's a bunch of them. And uh, it it turns out that I've I've been having this like we have this like dollar store CD we've had forever with like eight stories on them, and the kids have uh, we've been we've been doing a lot of uh, driving over the last you know not lately obviously with the lockdown but over the last year when we're like socially distancing driving to trails and just trying to get out of the house we would listen to this cd and it was just like literally playing like play goldilocks play you know jack and the beanstalk and over and over and i thought wouldn't it be cool if we could have this you know i always have my phone on me i always have podcasts download wouldn't it be cool if we had like a weekly bi-weekly new story that the kids could listen to and um i started uh downloading stories podcast which is, appears to be like the highest recommended one. That's the one we listen to all the time when we go on road trips. And uh, w- w- a couple of years ago, we go to Sandbanks. We had it, you know, going pretty much uh, nonstop. And it's funny because uh, you're listening to it now because um, I we haven't listened to it for a long time. But Gwen and I during spring break, you know, she's off uh, and I'm off. And so we went up to see my mom in Wakefield just outside and it's a 40 minute drive. And it was just the two of us in the car. I was like, Hey, want me to dig out the old stories podcast and we can see what's new. And she was really keen and was just enraptured by it all the way up. I'm, I'm wondering if you had the same success. Yeah. Um, 
We we did for the most part. I think the kids latched on to a couple of specific stories. So like we listened to a couple and then we found there was and then we started getting into the habit of like the new ones coming and I said, "Oh, we're going to go visit grandma and grandpa just outside of town, um do some social distancing, wearing masks type thing." And uh, we're gonna we're gonna listen to this new story, and I think it was like Monster Under the Bed, and it was a really good story about um, like a little girl uh, thinking there's a bunch of monsters in her room. Turns out there are. Spoiler alert! But all the monsters are afraid of the other monsters and her, and it just turns out it's like ah, don't be afraid of monsters because monsters are afraid of you. Either way, like the kids really dug it. And we started to get into the point of like, play monsters under the bed. And I'm like, no, it's happening again. Now I have to have this like one story on my phone constantly downloaded so they can listen that's, to it. That's such a kid's, a kid's thing. When we went up, we listened to two. So just two things about Tori's podcast. First off, I know that you can donate money and they will make the ads go away <laughs> at the beginning. But but it is it is like... Anybody who's listening to it, you want to fast forward maybe two minutes because like the first two minutes of like these 14 minute or 15 minute, you know, story podcasts are literally um, the host thanking people who donated and then reading ads, which is weird based on like the sort of feel of the show, especially when she's like, she then, you know, goes in and tells the story, which often includes a song and all of this. So I try, I try to be like, okay, which is tough when you're driving, you know. So I try to, I try to be ready to start at a couple of couple of minutes. And yes, I know I could pay money, but as I said, I haven't been listening to this podcast for quite some time. But uh, we, it, what was interesting is that, like, so her husband Daniel Hines, I think, oh, I think her. Maybe they're not married. I'm sorry if they're not married. My bad. But Daniel Hines is her creative partner, rather. Yeah, he does all the writing, and, from what I can. Recall. Yeah, he he does. But a lot of that is adapting stories like Aesop's fables and different things into like a, a way that is very palatable to children. And I love that. It's so good. He does a great job, um, and they co-write the songs together, and it's awesome. Her voice, voices are so good. She's such a great storyteller. All of that is 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 fantastic, but the the content of each individual story can be very different. Like in terms of appropriateness and like for age ranges, it's kind of hard to tell. Like when you said that monster under the bed thing, I'm like that could go either way. And we listened to two stories on the way up to Wakefield, and one was about you know like because a lot of fairy tales have kind of horrific elements and one was one of those and the other was like you know talking animals around an oasis and like you know uh, very soft and very easy and no fear and no whatever it was about the lion was a bully and they all sort of put him in his place for being a bully and learn to stand up for themselves the other one was about two children who are like approached by this kind of witch like figure in the woods and then she turns into a horse and then they ride on the horse and it turns into tar and starts sucking them underwater so it's like God. it's like like the the tonal difference between those two is is huge right yeah and, and but gwen was like it's funny because i'm seeing the shift now right like she's six and a half and now she actually is like i said which of those two did you like better and she said oh i, I much preferred the one with the kids um, and it's clear now that like the the babier stories, she's not as keen in, whereas she's more keen on the other ones. So I just say to anybody who's, 
you know, look at the look at the description of the story more or less. Look at what it's about before you hit play because some of them could potentially they do a good job of kind of buffering that scary stuff, but there's there's stuff there's ones that are a little more have a little more edge like fairy tale edge than than others which are really really soft and easy to go down right um that's my one advice with stories podcast yeah and, and start two minutes two minutes in yeah i i'll say this about the ads um the the patreon thanks like as someone who's been listening to a lot of podcasts and has done a lot of podcasts i i get that side of it um you know, I, thanking up front is is a, is an interesting choice from a from a yeah. Like we've talked about this actually about like Patreon shoutouts and stuff. And and I mean, doing the Patreon shoutout at the end of your read, like this way, the people who hear it are the people who supported because they don't skip it. And skipping at the end is much easier than skipping at the beginning. I think thanking your patrons, doing a plug to your Patreon at the beginning, that's fine. The thing with the ads is is a little alarming. Um, it's her her reading most of them in her like story time voice, but then there is I think I've noticed they've added like they switched to the like the TD guy, and it's literally an ad for for TD, and it's it's I've never I've never seen one of those. Yeah, and it might be ad targeting. Like I don't I it'd be interesting to to note like wh- why our geolocation would differ so much in in that regard, but um, it's. It's one of those things where the advertising is is very disconnected from the story. Like I think from a podcast perspective, I think advertising is fine and especially at the beginning. Like you they don't interrupt the story. Once they get into the story, the story is the story. So you don't need to worry about advertising playing in the middle of your story, which is often what happens with advertising is that it's placed, you know, in the middle of your content, especially with podcasts. But with this in this regard like yeah you can easily skip through it but i would i kind of hope the advertising would be more closer to the subject matter and it's really weird it kind of goes off in a direction and like eh, that's how they're paying their bills that's how they're paying their bills but um as crofton said you can support and get like an ad free feed and i i think if the kids were to get really into it and like you know clamor for it i would consider doing that just to check check it out because i don't think it's that expensive it might even be like a dollar a month or something just to get access to that feed but uh the story you're right the 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 content of the story differs and i feel like if you read the description on the episode you get a good handle for what what's there like one that was i felt was going to be borderline obviously monsters under the bed that one i i felt could have been um controversial but the the way it sort of wraps up i think kept the kids invested and not having nightmares but there was one where it was a cowboy stuck in the desert and he was he was trying to capture these outlaws and that one that one was a bit borderline but i'm i don't think like the i'm less worried about the stories freaking the kids out and more worried about like some of these stories just being going over their heads and not serving the purpose which is keeping them entertained while we're going for for a drive and so far it's done that like they you can tell they are like paying attention with all their glory right it's like i don't mind if they're emotionally scarred i, I just didn't want say them that to shut up while we drive <laughs> You're if, they're, if, if they're quiet and emotionally scarred that's fine it's just if they're loud that's that's a problem it the like none of this is emotionally <laughs> scarring i really believe that these are stories for kids True. the yeah. struggle is is that their definition of kids may not fit 
my current kids uh age level because i feel like the stories do vary from suitable for two to five from an understanding standpoint to uh you know they're i think they're right now they're going they've added like a i forget what it's called but it's this like, like huge series they're doing and it's like a continuous story and even i'm struggling to keep up with what's going on in this story it's very like a fantasy high fantasy story and it's like this it's for kids but it feels like the higher range of like the five to eight range right i should dig that i should dig that up for gwen i bet she would dig uh, it mark mark out for it like i'm i'm currently doing like uh stories from my mouth at bedtime again and uh i'm doing uh i'm 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 updating the breath of the wild canon with some stories about each of the champions for her and she's just like riveted um so so uh yeah no it's uh Speaking of uh, of which, spring break, uh, which was moved from March to April, as I mentioned off the top. So it's real spring break, is what you're saying? Yeah, real. Yeah, as opposed to Canadian March break, which, uh, yeah, April incidentally generally sucks. I didn't really realize that until I had a week off in <laughs> April. Uh, I, I it was not normally like a a month where I'd be like, I'm going to take a week off in April, but uh, but yeah, uh, just it's. Um, while while like the weather's been nice and it's warmer than usual, it's clearly like dirty everywhere because you know the melt has happened, but nothing's grown yet. Also, all my allergies make me want to rip my eyes out of my face. Oh, I forgot. I should have mentioned this earlier on, but I got um, we all got super sick last week, uh, earlier last week, uh, and we I yeah, I was really worried that we had COVID. I missed some time from work and all of this. We went to the testing center, and uh, yeah, no, it was just a cold, but. Uh, we haven't been sick for over a year and it just absolutely destroyed all of us, me especially. Um, and I'm still fighting the remnants of a, a chest cold. And uh, then the allergies came on at the same time. So it's been like a rough spring break and not for the way the reasons it would normally be a rough spring break. But because Gwen and I have been off uh, together, we have put in some time on Breath of the Wild and I think like I talked about the Game Pass Supercut and how my patience is is only so much for certain games. And one of the reasons is I just want to play Breath of the Wild. It's the best game. It's better than all those other games. So why would I not? But like Gwen went – so Gwen went to um, – she go to bed. I wouldn't be able to play it, right? And uh, I had the expansion pass with it. And we found these Master Sword trials uh, which come up at a certain point in the game. Like um, when you have the Master Sword – uh, you can bring it back to where you find it. And then you do essentially what are three easy, medium, and hard dungeon runs, like where you're where you, you don't get to save and you get all your stuff stripped away from you and you find stuff as you go and you go through challenge room after challenge room. And Gwen doesn't have the patience for that. And honestly, uh I, I don't I don't necessarily blame her, but I, it was perfect because I could do that in the evening, and I got like three or four evenings out of doing the Master Sword trials by myself. Um, and but the problem then is that it powers up the Master Sword, and now we are like super powerful. Like I'm running a we're like gods in this world now, running amok and destroying everything. Um, but uh, but we're at the point in the game where we have done. And Ryan, maybe you can give me some advice here we have done everything in terms of like we freed all the divine beasts we've recovered all the memories except one and that one is 
in the castle, like in the, so the only place really we haven't been on the map. And I, I use this tracker to show there's this uh, hero's journey sort of tracker that shows where you've been. It's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, and I, we've been to a lot of the world. We've nailed most of the side quests. Uh, we're at a hundred and seven or no, we're at a hundred and, 13 shrines or something or 14 we're like clear we're close to having cleared out all the shrines um there's 120 is my understanding uh and uh and yeah so we're the only thing though is we ha we've never been in to hyrule castle uh and my understanding is that like there's actually more to it than you don't just walk in the front door and then ganon fights you and then you gotta like there's more to the castle like it's a legit dungeon or something is that it did it, you do it? Yeah, I did. It's the closest thing to a traditional dungeon. It's more of a, a larger area dungeon. But uh, yeah, uh, it, there's more to it than than just running in and, and fighting fighting Ganon. And then even like the fighting Ganon part is a little bit more expanded than a normal boss fight. Um, so yeah. I just would. I just don't want it to end, is what it comes down to. And so I'm trying to do every because I know that once we beat Ganon and all that, like I don't think Gwen is going to be overly like she loves it. But I think like it's the natural culmination of a story. And so, for instance, right now, as today, we just started the next part of the DLC, which is called the Champions Ballad, um, and it involves going back to where you started the game and doing a bunch more shrines and more challenging things. And so we're doing that now, uh, and that's going to give us some more time. But once that's over, like I think we'll go into the castle. My hope is just that I don't walk in the castle and the game's over. I'd like to get like a, a, another week or so out of this game. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, so that's where yeah, I'd be kind of like leading her away. She doesn't want to go into the castle because she's scared of Ganon. Yeah. But to, even though like you know we're at the point now where we're defeating the toughest enemies with ease i guarantee it will not be too difficult to beat the boss but but she doesn't know that she just sees him as the the big bad right so um i've got to uh uh you know uh, once we once we finish this champion's ballad a series of of sh extra shrines and quests uh we will we will head into the castle and then that'll probably be it but man that game is so good yeah you you can get another week out of hyrule castle and, and fighting ganon and i think um being afraid of Ganon, that makes a lot of sense. Like he is the big bad and he's constantly overshadowing the entire world in that game. But I feel like once you get, you get up in there and you're, you start fighting, it's, um, you feel more in control than you do just by having Calamity Ganon running around. So, um, I think she'll really dig it. You know, she'll probably be, uh, a little put off, off the bat just cause it is such a different enemy. But if she was fine with the, um, uh, I, I forget what they were called. Were they like the blight versions or uh, the, the basic Ganons? Yeah. Yeah. The blight Ganons. If she was fine with those, I, I think Ganon is just when you do actually fight him, it's just another one of those basically in terms of the look and feel. I, I, yeah, I believe it for sure. And no, for me, it's more a matter of, I just don't want, you know, I, I we, you know, like it, my wife is, is, is sort of saying to me, um, well, you, you should line up the next game that you're going to play. Um, <laughs> and and, uh, and I, I was thinking about that, and I'm just like, yeah, it's not that easy in the sense that, like, how do you follow up on Breath of the Wild, right? Like, 
you, you know, um, and and I know there's a master sword mode and all of that, and I'm tempted to play that myself. You play in like, Japanese is what you do, really. You see, you play in Japanese. I I do understand now why people are like milking it like crazy. Like we could go around the world and try to find all the Korok seeds and all of that stuff. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of, but, but whenever we're kind of a little less focused like that, I can feel her attention wane a little bit more. So anyway, uh, it, it's really helped me with the uh, spring break of it all. Uh, it's, it's a spring breath of the wild of it all. Um, and this will not be, my last Breath of the Wild update. Great. I will have I will have at least one more, uh, and, and maybe maybe we can pair it with a WrestleMania update and just be like a double feature for you, Ryan. I thought WrestleMania was done. This is, this is the one time a year you get to talk about it. I, I what about WrestleMania colon backlash? What? That's the next. That's the next one. It's the backlash from WrestleMania, I thought, Ryan. I thought WrestleMania happened once a year. Is there it like? Did. WrestleMania colon backlash is the event after you keep WrestleMania. saying it like I know what you're talking about, though. It's really f- weird. It's it's really wow. Weird doesn't start with F, um, but <laughs> <laughs> it could uh, in it could. WrestleMania colon backlash dictionary. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't. I okay, fine. Yes, we'll talk about WrestleMania next week as well. But that's it, and no more Breath of the Wild. No, I'm I, until I'm done, which will be soon. No, no, no. I mean, like until the sequels here, because that's the next game you should line up. Is just the man. I was, I was like, it was funny because I, I was concerned, not concerned, but like, I was, I was like, oh, Breath of the Wild two is going to be out, and I personally have never finished Breath of the Wild one, and I, I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, geez, I don't have much time left. It's, it's I got to finish it this year, but man. But when it clicks, it clicks, and like now, now we're at a point where, um, where like I, the second game can't come out soon enough. And in fact, like I know we talked about this on the show before about how, um, what's the murder game where you just murder armies over and over? Oh, Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, yeah, like how that's a different type of game and how it's all violence. But but I'm honestly like like Gwen is into everything that has to do with the champions, all the memories all the all the characters and all of this and then like to to be able to go back and uh and and get more of that content like oh even you know i'll have to look and take a look at that see how violent that game is uh and see if see if it would be something that uh, she would have the patience for because maybe that's the next step i'll say this that game um the thing about hyrule warriors is that it's set up in a way where it's actually a really uh, cool setup for the way you're playing. It sounds like you very much want to play Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, even when you're not supposed to, in the sense that you're you're waiting to play with Gwen. With Hyrule Warriors, you could play the story missions, which are very cinematic and um, have uh, are, are more uh, story focused when you're going through those missions. But the way that game is structured is there's a lot of like side content that you often have to do in order to unlock the next story mission. So you could easily do one story mission with Gwen before she goes to bed. Then over the course of the next, you know, couple nights or even that night, work through until you unlock the next story mission. And really it would cut down a lot of that nonstop violence because that is that is more present. That is definitely present. Like the, the, the warrior style gameplay is present in the campaign, but um, it becomes even more evident as you're 
constantly mowing down armies as you try to get through the side content to unlock the next story mission. And it is just, it is just dripping in Breath of the Wild references, look, feel, music. It, it, you could walk through that first, you know, mission and feel like you are in the way they capture Breath of the Wild in that game is just superb. So check it out. It might not be, it could be something that you share the story content with Gwen and then you just keep the side content for yourself to kind of progress the story, get to the next story mission. Could work really well in in your favor. Like I'm looking at the the screenshots and stuff like now and it is funny because the game looks visually exactly like Breath of the Wild. And to, to the credit of Nintendo, like the amount of world building and content that they developed in this Zelda game as opposed to like, you know, it builds on the legacy of other ones. But then there's so much stuff in terms of like characters, side characters, races. Um, you know, and yet also room to to grow. But enemies, weapons, like your whole Hyrule compendium, like there's all these items. So to remix that into a different type of game, I totally see how that works. It is funny though, looking at the shots, I'm like, oh God, this just looks like more Breath of the Wild. I should get this for sure. But then at the same point, I recognize that it is likely not the same thing. So I I will will check it out because... I think what I'm leaning towards right now, you know, in terms of finding a big meaty game is to go back. We had played the demo of the Dragon Quest game on Switch and it was really, we enjoyed it. It was really well received. It's been a while now, uh, but like we could go and, and, and play that. I'm sure we would get tons of hours and adventure out of that. Yeah. And there is a Hyrule Warriors demo too that you can check out. So um, if you actually want to play it and try it, you can do that. And uh, the save carries over, similar to Dragon Quest Eleven. So, uh, yeah, report back. And you know what? I guess, sorry, folks, uh, you know, sanctioned return of Breath of the Wild weekly updates coming from Crofton if he picks up Hyrule Warriors. I, it's a new game. He's allowed. It's just, it's in the rules of Dungeons and Diapers. It, it would just be funny. It's like my way in, I'm, but I would never play it. I'm like, well, you know, Ryan, I was I was looking at the box of Calamity Warriors today, and I was thinking about how great the Breath name. of the Wild is. Uh, and uh, Breath of the Wild, blah, 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 Breath of the Wild. Yeah, anyway. it could happen. Um, before we jump out of here, I, I had a, a quick story about... So, uh, Caden has, it's obviously been talked about that he is doing virtual learning and, um, the, uh, it was before Easter, there was an email sent out to all the virtual learning kids basically saying like, or parents saying, Hey, for next year, you have to decide what your kid is doing by the 11th of April, which was five days away from the email being sent. And you're not going to be able to switch, uh, for the whole school year. Whereas before they were having, they offered three points at which the kids could switch back and forth just due to the pandemic, a lot of numbers changing up and down. Um, so Ashley and I are sitting there and like, well, what are, they, what are we going to do here? Like we were toying with the idea of, of putting them in, in school. Um, but we were thinking of maybe like doing the first semester uh, at home and then the second half of the year uh, in school. But uh, yeah, we uh, we kind of had our hand forced, and I, I said to Ashley, "It's like, well, I it's very hard to commit to a year, another year of both Caden and Abigail being in virtual learning um, for a whole year, because like I don't know where 
like from from my point of view like i have no idea where our work is going to be for a whole year like i might be back in the office then ashley's home uh <laughs> with two kids in virtual learning and and one toddler still trying to nap so um we uh we kind of had our our decision made for us or at least that was kind of my view of it all is that uh caden and abigail if the numbers are good and the schools are open in september they'll be they'll be going to school in person so it's gonna be it'll be exciting so all that talk of how uh ryan doesn't get to enjoy his his house well two of those three kids will be off could change could change though no, i'm glad i'm glad to hear it like i mean um, you know, Gwen is it, when she found out that the school were closed, she wasn't going to see her friends. And, you know, I could see I could see her physically sag like and be like, oh, you know, uh, and and so I, I think that they will they will really enjoy going back. And hopefully at that time, you know, uh, that things will be much more normal. And, and I think so. Uh, they won't you know, they you won't have to worry as much. And and. and so that's exciting. So, um, so yeah, I, like I, I think you guys probably made the right decision, but who knows? We will see. I think it's the right decision. Um, I think, like I said to her, uh, if the numbers get really bad, they will close the school down and sure schools down. And sure enough, uh, a couple of days after I said that they, they shut the schools down. So I said like, Hey, there you go. You've got your, you've Look, got your number. They do it. Yeah, you've got your number in mind as to when they'll do it, and and I think September will be very different from what we're experiencing right now. Like I think, uh, I think we'll be in a much better place once we've got a handle on all these uh, variants and and whatnot. Um, but that is going to do it for Dungeons and Diapers. That was our final story on the docket outside of spring break. But uh, spring break, exactly. Although it feels more like rain all the time break so uh lots of puddles to jump in though there was one or two like good days so far where it was really nice and warm and uh, we were able to get out but i was i was still working at the time so i really just got to enjoy it from my basement uh office with that one sole window but uh yeah uh no wandavision spoilers this week as you can tell we're already running an hour and a half um but uh we promise we promised neil we'd do it so we're gonna do it cross and i were talking pre-show we promise, so we're gonna do it eventually. But uh, hell, we might even like <laughs> do a one division slash Falcon spoiler cast at the rate we're going. Because uh, by the time we record next, Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be done, and we'll have yeah. all the episodes out. So I'm into that show actually quite a bit too. That uh, yeah. FLK the Winter Soldier. But you know, we're good on our promises. Like, just ask all the people that donated for our kid TV show reviews. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's still in the notes, and I was thinking about it. Uh, I was actually thinking about it today, so I think uh, we will be getting back to that too. We have two reviews that we have in in our back pockets. We have to watch Mia and Me, and I think uh, the um, Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning cartoon. So those will be coming. I uh, just got distracted. There's new Paw Patrol out, so gotta work my way through those new episodes on Netflix and uh, uh, before we get to that other stuff. But we will get there. As Crofton sort of joked about, we are good for our promises. Um, and you can see all those promises being fulfilled at TGI studios.com slash dad, 
where you'll find all of our archives and wonderful kids TV show reviews and even a moment where we teased like a Patreon that hasn't launched yet. So uh, check that out. Um, We're good for our promises. (laughs) Eventually. Uh, You can email the show and remind us how good we are for our promises. Dad at TGIstudios.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Tweet us about our promises. You can find me at R. Murphy and Crofton at Crofton Steers. You can also find the show at D&Dcast. So if you want to tweet right at a podcast, you can do it with this one too. Um, That's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons & Diapers. Have yourself a great couple weeks, and we'll see you on the other side. Bye, everybody. Bye.